1: Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Our guest today is Chris Gabehart, crew chief for Denny Hamlin's number 11 FedEx Toyota. Chris is in his second season with Denny. Last year, they reached the championship round in addition to winning the Daytona 500 together. They stayed unbeaten in the great American race to start 2020 as well. But then, a month into the season, all that momentum was halted by the COVID 19 pandemic, which, of course, has put life on pause not just for NASCAR but for all of us as we know it. In the meantime, of course, there is iRacing. The Pro Invitational series continues this Sunday at Dover on Fox and FS1. And the IndyCar iRacing Challenge will conclude Saturday with the series finale at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That'll be on at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Denny Hamlin won the opening race of the Pro Invitational at Homestead Miami Speedway. He's a very accomplished iRacing driver and team owner, And his crew chief also has a history in iRacing and real racing. Chris Gabehart was a super late model racer of some renown and won a prestigious race in Nashville before he got into crew chiefing full time. He remains an avid iRacing fan on the side, owns a sim rig, and has been practicing on iRacing lately with Denny. In this conversation you're about to hear, Chris has some great insight into how drivers and crew chiefs in Cup can use i-racing to stay sharp together during this extended layoff from racing. And for those who recall the last episode in which Parker Kligerman and I talked about the wonders of Twitch, Chris Gabehart has a very interesting perspective. He's learned a lot about his driver, Denny Hamlin, by watching his Twitch channel. It's fascinating stuff, and I think you'll enjoy hearing a crew chief describe learning something new about his driver. Before we get started, this is now the second time I've taped a podcast using video conferencing, The audio again turned out really well, I think, but there were a couple of glitches when the laptop I was using made a ding, so apologies for that. And a special thanks to Lisa Hughes-Kennedy at Toyota Racing PR, who ensured I had a backup recording just in case, and also coordinated this conversation. Thanks to Lisa. So we'll get to the conversation with Chris Gabehart right after this. Chris, thanks for being a guest here on the NASCAR NBC podcast, and welcome. Thanks for being here. Hey, no, Thanks for having me. So uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this iRacing phenomenon, and I understand that Denny Hamlin, obviously, we've been watching him win and compete on a regular basis in the Pro Invitational Series for NASCAR, but I understand that you've been involved in the background as well there. Tell us about what you've been doing.
2: Yeah, so involved in the background at a highly technical level in iRacing, probably not. Denny's got some Uh, highly established drivers on his team that definitely have helped him with the ins and outs of how to be competitive in that space. But definitely, I enjoy playing as well. And Denny and I communicated about it a fair amount and and even played together some. But for totally different reasons than what you might see on Sunday, he's got a pretty dedicated staff that helps him be be fast on Sundays there.
1: So what are you doing then during the course of the race or or the run-up to a race to help him out?
2: So, for Denny and I, really what it what it provides is a better communication platform um, between what he might fight on in an actual race at an actual track um, versus what what it is that the game might be telling him and therefore me because I'm allowed to play with him. so you know when we do drive together, whether it be in a practice or whatever, we can we can communicate. Um, what it is that he's feeling uh, there that may or may not correlate to real life. So I believe Dover's coming up next. So you can talk about how the the fall off into the corners at Dover, where you really take that big jump and land into the corner at Dover, and how the car reacts when it lands through there as being real or not, and then the pop-up out of the corner at Dover, and what that feels like versus real life, and as the track rubbers up, you know, iRacing does a really good job of modeling all that stuff very, very accurately. So it provides a, a way for he and I to communicate that's more than just words. Um, with the driving background that I have, I can, I can get in there and, and drive with him and he can help communicate to me what that feels like in real life and how accurate that is or isn't.
1: How often are you guys uh, driving in those practice races during a week?
2: it's it's not been a lot but to me this is a this is a more broad tool honestly i've had a rig myself for for years now and one of the reasons i bought it other than it's a lot of fun and there's <laughs> a lot of different cars and tracks and stuff that you can do that iRacing does a great job uh of allowing you to become a off-road racer for a day or what's it like to do a formula one race at this track or you know all kinds of great stuff that we'd never have an opportunity to do um it allows for so the fun side of it is the obvious part, but to me, their, their modeling is so good that it allows me to go to these tracks during the week while we're racing and, and just get a feel for, get acclimated to Charlotte. Okay, what's he going to be fighting in turn one at Charlotte? It's got this awkward set of bumps getting into one that really makes the car get light until the splitter settles down. and loads the car up and man, okay, yep, I got it. That's what he's going to be complaining about there. That kind of thing week in and week out is a, is a tool that I use personally and gives us an opportunity to communicate with each other when needed.
1: So this is another example of your background as a driver than helping you as a crew chief. You mentioned that you've had this rig for years and you, I know you've got the late model driving background. Tell us a little bit about how much you drove, how much success you had and how that helps you in, in getting involved in racing this way.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've raced since, I mean, gosh, I'm turning 39 here in a couple weeks. Uh, I've raced for competitively at a regional level or higher for 28 years now, which is insane to say, it makes me sound <laughs> so old, but from, from go-karts to USAC open wheel mid midgets on the pavement side to, um, to super late models at a re- regional and national level, um, I I had, I've been driving since I was 11 years old and, and, you know, quit full time nine years, I guess, ago now. So, uh, a lot of experience, certainly the most relatable to, to Denny and I would be the super late model side of things and, and how it helps me with iRacing is I can, I've been to a lot of these tracks in a super late model that I can also run a super late model in iRacing. And I validated for myself that, man, this is really realistic. They've done a great job modeling this. This is a lot like what the cars drive like. So that's a personal validation. And then Denny can do the same on the cup side of things at certain tracks that we go to and say, yeah, this is really realistic. So then that allows me to get in there with him and and go driving at a particular track and say, okay, I know from my background that, you know, they've modeled a lot of things correctly and Denny's telling me, yep, this is a lot what it feels like. So that provides us the foundation that we need to really talk in a lot more detail than words can provide.
1: And so you've had this iRacing rig, Chris, since uh, well before you became the 11 crew chief. Then you said you've had it for several yeah, years.
2: Yeah, I've had it for almost four years now. Yeah, and, and and I've played it longer longer than that on and off, but I've had it for the better part of four years. Really, really, when I moved into the crew chief role uh, at JGR with, um, on the Xfinity side, I, I honestly bought it as a tool to, to help enhance my ability to communicate with the drivers and it's not it's not that I that I use it every week or that you know any of my drivers ever even knew I was doing it but it just provides me with a little extra detail um, to understand what it is that they may be fighting at one track or another
1: Tell me about your, your real-life success and your iRacing success. How many, how many victories in the super late model side in real life? How many victories in iRacing on the uh, super late model side?
2: Yeah, so so my, my biggest claim to fame in, in super late model racing would be winning the All-American 400 at, at Nashville, which is you know an iconic super late model race. Uh, I've had a lot of success at the Winchester 400, never won it. Um, won the CRA Super Series Championship um, which is a, you know, kind of a regional, um, uh, touring series championship, one of the bigger in the country these days. And, um, you know, been to five flags several times and ran in the snowball derby, a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, the iRacing side of things, because again, my, my real job actually is very busy. So I don't want to, I don't want to portray that I have 30 hours a week to dedicate to iRacing by any stretch. So the racing side of things, I haven't done a ton of on iRacing. It's more about gotcha. going and practicing on the tracks and maybe jumping in a race or two here or there for fun. Until recently, I, I have done a little bit more of the racing just because we got so much time on our hands right now, and it's it's the end thing to do. But for the most part, I use iRacing as a tool to further my understanding.
1: So practicing and not really competing to try to for win. For the
2: most part, yeah. I mean, I, I do jump in races here or there, but... But for the most part, it's a work tool. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: make sure Coach Joe hears that. So, yeah. um, e- each race that they've had in the pro invitational series, have you been able to run like one practice race at that track with Denny?
2: Not not always with Denny, but I do try to jump in at each track and um, and get a feel for you know what it is they might be fighting. He'll send me the actual setup that they're going to race, and you know it, it just provides me an opportunity to say okay. I've I've been there and done it, and you know if it ever comes up, he and I can talk about it. Um, moving forward, it, it, obviously, you know we're looking at some pretty interesting times where schedules and and event formats could be. So I think you're going to see crew chiefs and drivers get really creative with how they they prep for these races, and a lot of drivers, while Denny's not one of them, have experienced i racing for the first time in any amount of detail, and and they're realizing that it could be a tool that we could use over the coming months to help us get prepared for the actual event i mean it, it's actually that realistic and while, while you won't be paying attention to set up specific things um getting reps prior to the race where you may not practice or qualify will be a big deal
1: yeah and certainly for for you guys chris i mean you and denny had such success last year but people might forget that was only your first season of working together as driver, crew chief, you're only four races really into your second season. So, what areas do you feel like you guys are still working on communicating and talking through changes on the radio, and and how can iRacing maybe help uh, make that a little bit easier when when we do go back to the track for real?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, obviously, towards the end of last year, um, the last 15 or 20 races of the season, we we really hit our stride when we started coming back to these tracks for a second time which was as much as anything about me having a notebook built about the track that I had been to the first time. Okay, here's the things that we would do different. And it really started to to pay dividends the second half of the season during the off season. Um, and now with this other unexpected off season, a lot of that momentum has, has been broken. So you try to get back into the routine of here's the things that we were doing well. Um, Daytona is its own animal, and we went to a few different racetracks and and uh, was starting to build that chemistry again, and now we've got this big break again, and, and now we're going into a totally different way of racing for the next month or two. So really, it's going to be a lot about who can find their footing again uh, in terms of momentum, and certainly for some, I think I think iRacing will, will provide a, a tool for a lot of the drivers and maybe even some of the crew guys to help relate and 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 get their feet back on in in the pool so to speak of okay this is how we how we need to do this moving forward
1: yeah because it's it appears as if with this schedule there there might not be practice at a lot of these races right it'll just be qualifying race and that's it
2: yeah that that's what that's what i'm hearing so again while the setup side of things uh we we have a lot of really expensive simulation tools that (laughs) trd and JGR has afforded us to sharpen over the years. And, and iRacing really can't compete at that level. But that's just the setup side. It doesn't necessarily put the driver in a loop. And it certainly isn't as accessible as iRacing for the crew chiefs and the engineers and and that kind of thing. So anything you can do to foster communication um, and, and try to get a leg up, leg up on the competition, given the, the new environment, is, is certainly going to be valuable. And you know, while we all would like practice at the racetrack, we're all going to have to improvise and figure out what's what's the new best way to do it.
1: Right. I don't know how much you've uh, paid attention to how what's going on with the IndyCar side of things, Chris, with the IndyCar iRacing Challenge. But it's been interesting to me that on that side, the engineers and the strategists have been involved during the week with drivers. They plot fuel strategy. They talk about handling while they're running practice laps. It sounds like that isn't happening as much on the NASCAR side. Specifically with you and Denny, you said you know Denny's kind of got his own support. Staff and system is there is there kind of a difference between NASCAR and IndyCar there maybe?
2: Yeah, it, it certainly seems that there is. Um, I I can't honestly justify whether or not there should be. Uh, to be fair, you know I I believe you can learn something any way you any way you choose to learn. So. The fact that those guys are still working together and and um, you know working with strategy and trying to benefit from it in any way that they can, aside from having fun, yeah. there is a lot of fun involved. <laughs> sure, it is I take my hats off to them. I think that's really cool, and it seems like it hasn't sort of taken the same level of seriousness on the NASCAR side. But I certainly pay close attention to it, and and am doing my stuff on the side, like we've talked about, just to make sure I, I can relate to them. I, I, one thing that I will say has been really neat is the Twitch broadcast that a lot of these drivers are doing, and Denny in particular. I have really enjoyed watching that as much or more than the race. For me personally, because it allows me to evaluate how he works in more than just a, I'm watching the 11 car go around the racetrack and every now and then he keys the button up and talks to me. I visually can watch how he thinks, what he looks at, how he reacts, it just gives me a whole new aspect for what it is. Kind of, kind of getting to visit inside of Denny Hamlin's mind while he's doing the real deal, which is it's as close to it as it could be without the without the fear side of it. He's obviously not worried about crashing into a wall at one hundred and ninety miles an hour, but <laughs> but you, you get to really experience what it is that that he's going through and how he thinks. And you know what we do is is largely about communication and psychology and understanding what's going on with your driver's mind and vice versa. And that's been a really neat aspect that I that I didn't realize I would get out of this going into it. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris,
1: because I feel like that is a window into the drivers that not just you as a crew chief, but all of us have really gotten that we've never had before. I agree with you that the Twitch streams are fascinating, and to me, it's it's the helmets off and being able to see that focus and concentration and intensity that we can't see that with an in-car camera when the helmets are on, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, you. That's a that's a rare thing. Like you, you won't get to see that ever again. I, I think. And I hope that NASCAR's maybe gonna learn something from it because I do think it's neat to have that level of access accessibility, but the drivers aren't gonna be taking their helmets or suits off anytime in <laughs> real life, anytime soon. So, you know, you still won't necessarily be able to see into their eyes and 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 really soak in what it is that they're experiencing at any given second. But I do think there's a lot to be learned from the industry. I think it seems to me that a lot of fans have enjoyed that level of accessibility.
1: What's impressed you the most about watching Denny from that perspective and the way he manages a race? And You said you've just noticed the way he's, he's doing things during the race. What, what's impressed you the most about that?
2: Well, any of your great drivers can, can do what they do at a very high level very naturally. It just comes natural. It's not something they really have to, to work at. Their processing speed mentally is just lights out fast. At 190 mile an hour, they're able to process what's going on and what they need to do next very quickly. And looking inside of his eyes, I used a specific example last year after we won Bristol, and I think in some of Denny's interviews, he told you that he was setting up the pass onto Benedetto with 30 or so laps to go and knew exactly how he was going to do it. And again, from my from my driving background, and, and racing helps solidify that, um, that is impressive bristol things are happening so fast and what they're doing is so hard people don't understand just how hard it is to do but to have that mental awareness to still be able to think through every level of detail about how you're going to go about a pass 30 laps in advance while doing what is so incredibly difficult it is is fascinating um and i really wish i really hope all of our fans understand just how hard that is so the Twitch stream really gives you a whole another level of now I can see in his eyes. I can watch when he's looking up in the mirror and when he's not, and you know, I can watch how he reacts when he hits a bad corner or if he hits a good corner or some of the physical cues that, you know, he's not saying these things, uh, pushing the button on the radio in in a real world, but I'm getting to see everything he might say or think in these Twitch streams. So it's nuanced stuff. I can't give you specifics, but it's definitely been cool. He and I have talked about that a little bit some in the early part of this, and he's like, man, I have no idea what I look like when I'm driving. Like, yeah, He said, I've never even thought about it. I'm like, yeah, it's been really cool to watch. So.
1: <laughs> it has been, and he has no worries. It, I think it looks cool, and I, I think you've given us a lot of great detail there as well. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's
0: advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. P-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
1: That kind of leads into my next question. I mean, we all know what a great iRacer he is and how long he's been doing it. Obviously, you have a lot of experience, Chris, with iRacing. You can appreciate what it's like for him as a driver. One of the first stories I ever did about Denny Hamlin was um, Richmond Times-Dispatch in 2004 was about how he had finished third in Dale Jr.'s i-racing League at the time, ahead of Dale Jr., and that was what sort of got him on the radar. So we've known that Denny Hamlin can be such a great i-racer for so long, you know, more than a decade. What do you think makes him so good at it? Because it seems like some real world drivers don't do as well in the iRacing world and some guys just really get acclimated to it too. And it's natural, you know, William Byron being another example.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's two things. Um, his desire to compete at a high level at whatever it is that he does. And I think you see that out a lot of your great ones. And, and I certainly would put Denny Hamlin in the great category. And then from that, what makes a driver great is their attention to detail understanding every little nuance about you know if i use the brakes this way um the car does this if i hit my mark this way the car does that if i use my pedals in conjunction with my steering inputs this way i get this reaction there's just all of that stuff again like denny has alluded to um, simulation racing um uses the exact same inputs that real life does whereas other simulations we'll call them for football or basketball or baseball you, you can't do that you don't get that so it really provides a lot of crosstalk between why they're good in real life you're watching it every day in iRacing and it's just attention to detail understanding that all the nuances matter and i think one of the neat things in iRacing that maybe a lot of people don't fully realize is that unlike real life all the cars quote unquote are the same the the aerodynamics are exactly the same they're fixed setup races so the setups are exactly the same everyone's dealing with the exact same track conditions so literally what you are watching is the inputs of the driver make all the difference there are no other layers to the onion it's just that now you're you're limited in not feeling the forces on your body which is a major component of what these drivers do without without kind of nerding out too much on you they they don't get any of the acceleration feels which is Hugely important to the mental aspect of actual racing. So some drivers just can't acc- acclimate as well to that because it's it's such an odd feeling. But But what you're watching is everyone competing with the exact same vehicle, but they're making the difference with their inputs and decisions. And I think that's a very rare insight even in real world when we were doing irock racing or you try to do spec series right you don't get that you will never get that no two cars are ever the same it's impossible except for an iRacing. And and that's a really interesting side of it, I think.
1: That is, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, it does remind me of an iRock, they always had to say equally prepared because they really yep. couldn't be identically prepared. But uh, in iRacing, you can kind of remove that variable a little bit. And like you said, aside from G-forces, the fear factor, the bumps, everything else is exactly
2: the same, right? And I, I can't stress it enough, the fear factor is a big one. Yeah. And and let's be real, right? Because like, there's a lot of great iRacers racers who are, are better than Denny Hamlin, no doubt about it. Uh, he would tell you that. But what makes what these drivers do so great in the real world is that they're doing it at 190 mile an hour with very real consequences from both the immediate physical aspect of if I wreck, I, I this is going to hurt, <laughs> to the business side of things. You know that they, they've got multi million dollar sponsors and hundreds of employees depending upon their success and their brand and you know, that's a lot of pressure, right? So you add those two things to it and to be, still be able to perform at a high level is much, much different than what drivers do in iRacing. As much as iRacing can capture, it can't capture that part of it. And that's really what makes what these guys do in, in the real world so great.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly realistic, but it does have its limits. And I'm sure you're also glad that one of those limits is that Denny's seven-year-old daughter can't enter your pit box and wave a remote <laughs> control and disconnect your team <laughs> radios, right? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever have anything quite <laughs> quite like that happen in the real world, although I've, I can think of some things that are similar, hoods <laughs> popping up when unexpected or, you know, weird stuff like that. I mean... The real, the real world has its glitches, but certainly nothing like a remote control turning the car off. Yeah, that was that was something.
1: Just got a few more for you, Chris. Uh, obviously, it's great to have this as a distraction for all of us and a way to stay occupied while we're all trying to avoid going stir crazy. But does it make you a little bit antsy to be watching the racing and thinking, man, this is great, we've got the iRacing, but I really want to be back at the real world track soon?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say the iRacing particularly makes me antsy. Um... Certainly, as we're starting to get into planning stages and things are starting to move from liquid to solid in terms of scheduling, and here's how we're going to attack re-immersing ourselves into the season, antsy, excited, focused, apprehensive, all those words, because this is going to look unlike any NASCAR season in our history by a mile, not a little bit, a lot. I am, I obviously being the crew chief, I'm a major part of building a plan and unfolding that logistically, right? So crew chiefs have enough variables to deal with on a daily basis under normal circumstances. This is going to be an amount of variables that is completely unparalleled. So you're going to see a lot of, just a lot like a year ago when the new rules package was unfolded and there was so much uncertainty, you you never know who was going to be up front when or why. Well, this is going to be very similar, but in a different way because we're we're dealing with so many unknowns about how to prepare for a race. If we go Wednesday racing, you know, not only are we not going to get to practice or qualify, but our prep time's cut in half, you know, because you'll be racing Sunday, then Wednesday, then Sunday, then Wednesday. Right. And oh, by the way, you don't get to practice. And oh, by the way, you know, it's just a lot of differences. So there's a lot to keep track of as a crew chief right now, certainly as the, the planning side of it is starting to, actually matter i mean there was a while there a few weeks where it didn't do good to do a whole lot because it was just going to change 10 minutes from now anyway uh, but we're certainly past that so it's exciting one thing that that i love about our sport no matter the challenges at the end of the day whether it be a saturday night or a sunday or maybe even some wednesdays here they're going to hand out a checker flag and a trophy and that signifies whoever did it the best on that day and i don't care what the rules or circumstances <laughs> were, was, was that says that team did it the best and And um, that's that's our report card, you know, so I'm looking forward to getting back at it.
1: Can you even identify what the biggest obstacle will be or there's just it's just the unknown. There's too many unknowns at this point.
2: It, it, It mostly there's a couple of them. One is the logistics of the teams being able to prepare the race cars. Now, fortunately, before we went into this hiatus, we all had cars ready for Atlanta. We all had cars ready for Homestead. So we do have a little bit of a backstop in terms of inventory. But, you know, between, you know, again, our our cycle time is not seven days a week. Now it'll be three days a week uh, where we're putting another car on the racetrack. And then that car has got to go back into the system and get ready to go race again. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Certainly, as we go back to work, all of our race teams are going to all the race teams are going to practice much different social distancing techniques than than we ever had before. Well, that's going to be very unfamiliar, so it's going to slow productivity down until we figure out how to maximize that. So you've got the schedule accelerating in terms of prep time and productivity decelerating because of social distancing. So that's yeah. really going to be a challenge balancing that. And then the other side of it of course is in these races where we're going to unload with very little to no track time prior to the first lap of the race being, you know, counting, you know, we we're, we're counting score right away. Who can do that best? How do you prepare for that best? Who who hits it the best? How do your drivers get locked in right away? You know that first run establishes track position, right? Who is locked in right away and who's not? Um, That's going to be the week-to-week challenge that you guys are going to get to see unfold on TV. That'll be cool to watch. Uh,
1: And as we sit here, it is uh, 1:25 p.m. on Tuesday, or excuse me, uh, Wednesday. It's Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm losing track of Wednesday. It's Wednesday, (laughs) April 29th, and we don't have a schedule yet, but we're hearing, we're getting closer, certainly. We're hearing things about the stay-at-home orders changing. What's the view right now from Joe Gibbs Racing? Have you been able to go to the shop? Are people at the shop beginning to prepare cars? Do you have any updates on that front?
2: Well, yeah. Thankfully, um, today's technology allows us to all stay networked pretty well, even even though we're not allowed to, or, or congregating physically at a certain place. So a lot of the planning meetings have been happening for, uh, you know, weeks by some of our staff and, and now the last week or so with the competition group to really start sinking our teeth into actually laying out a plan, but we haven't physically been back to work yet. That's happening any day now and, and it's going to happen in waves of essential personnel non-essential personnel and all the things we need to do to, to stay safe. But there's been work going on behind the scenes, no doubt. And, and everybody's looking forward to getting back to the shop and trying to get going with our lives again, right? Trying to establish establish a new normal. Sure. And I
1: heard, Chris, about a week is what it would take to prepare a car to get ready to go to a racetrack. Is that sound about right for you guys?
2: I think it may vary from team to team. I certainly don't want to speak for the entire garage. But again, fortunately, we had uh, Atlanta cars prepared, Homestead cars prepared. Those cars are already put together in our shop. and. And certainly less time for those cars to get ready to go to the racetrack. So I would say a week or, or less, we could be ready for that race. But again, three days later, there's another race. Four <laughs> days later, there's another race. Three day, I mean, just because you got a head start doesn't mean you can't fall behind really quickly. So we all need to get back in the shop and get prepared for what's coming. Yeah, everybody's tongues are going to be wagging a lot pretty soon here.
1: Uh, I want to wrap up here, Chris. I mean, you, you guys started off 2020 so well. Second consecutive Daytona 500 win all that momentum. Denny didn't quite have the results. You probably want the next few races, but how do you restart things now whenever things get going again? I mean, do you fall back on, hey, when we started 2020, we were the best team at the biggest race of the year and and go from there. Is it, hey, clean slate. We got to look at this as a totally new beginning. How do you look at things for the 11 for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, so if I just snapshot our year real quick, Daytona was, we had a very strong race car and we're able to capitalize with a win there. Vegas, honestly is our worst track on the circuit we knew that was going to be a challenge we probably should have finished a little bit better than we did but you know some strategy stuff and then just a poor restart we sped at the end there didn't get a great finish fontana we ran well uh we had a good race car in the race um, got a little damage on it but we ran fine i was happy with how we ran there and then phoenix we, we wrecked early on, but I feel like we had a top three car, and we probably didn't have all the magic that we had the fall race of Phoenix in 2019, but we were we were pretty close to where we need to be. I left our confidence. So to answer your question, moving forward, certainly a lot has, has changed, but as I name the racetracks that are being rumored, we're talking about Darlington, maybe a couple times, Charlotte, maybe a couple times, Martinsville, Bristol, Atlanta, Homestead. These are racetracks that are right in Denny Hamlin's wheelhouse, so honestly i couldn't be more excited by the schedule that that sounds like is laying in front of us because i think there's a ton of opportunity um for us to wrap our hands firmly around this season and i look forward to doing
1: it we're all looking forward to uh getting out there and watching you do it as well really appreciate all the time you gave us here on the nascar NBC podcast chris thanks for being here and good luck the rest of the season whenever it begins and we will look forward to seeing you yeah thanks for having me our thanks again to chris gabehart for joining us Obviously, to hear him tell it, life is very busy right now with getting the number 11 prepared for whenever NASCAR restarts the season, so we appreciate him making time for us. And speaking of NASCAR hitting the track again, be sure to stay tuned, of course, to nbcsports.com NASCAR for coverage of the resumption of the 2020 season. NASCAR Talks Dustin Long, Jerry Bonkowski, and Daniel McFadden will have all those stories for you on what's to come. And keep an eye on the Motorsports and NBC YouTube channel as well. Jeff Burton and Steve Letarte have been doing some great NASCAR America at home videos there. They provide all the insight you normally get on NASCAR America. It's just from the comfort of the homes of Jeff and Steve instead of our normal NASCAR America studio. The NASCAR on NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. That really helps us out. And any feedback, you can always send to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so. No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Races, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers
1: a powerful clean...